Welcome back to Season 2 of That's So Second Millennium, the podcast where we explore how science and religion can coexist, because they can, and what they can produce together if we let them, because your third millennium will be a whole lot brighter if you do. Your hosts are Bill Schmidt and me, Paul Geesting. Welcome back. Today we continue our run-up to the Society of Catholic Scientists conference coming up at Notre Dame. Bill and I discuss the themes of the conference and the individual speakers, have a little bit of fun about uh, discussing academic talk titles and uh, associated hijinks. Uh, we're, we're sort of in an experimental phase with our uh, sound quality and sound technology. Uh, Zencaster has uh, apparently gotten itself associated with a demon on uh, Bill's computer. So uh, if Bill sounds a little bit down at the beginning of the podcast, that's because he had spent, you know, I think an hour fighting his laptop before we started recording. And of course, we had to fall back to good old freeconferencecall.com. Uh, so again, not the greatest sound quality, but by God, it actually freaking works. Um, yeah, so we're, we're going to keep working on that. I'm also looking for new places to record the place i tried uh, is a little echoey uh, you'll probably notice that so and every time i do anything i touch anything on that desk where i had my laptop station you'll hear this thumping sound so we're doing our best that's good content give us the benefit of the doubt we appreciate you listening welcome back to that's the second millennium the science and religion podcast from a catholic perspective this is episode 61 we are in our countdown to the Society of Catholic Scientists Conference that's going to be held at the University of Notre Dame this coming June 7th to 9th. So this episode, we're just going to discuss on our own the uh, the topics to be covered at the conference. They're really uh, fascinating subjects. They are kind of divergent. They're under the general umbrella of what does it mean to be human? And they're going to come at that question from a number of different angles. Obviously, we're at a turning point in human history for a lot of uh, reasons. A lot of our capacities for interacting with our environment and with ourselves and for understanding ourselves are changing very quickly. So the the conference is going to deal with the questions of both human origins, so looking at our scientific understanding of where we're at as, as far as understanding where the possibility of guessing, at least, or coming up with some sort of uh, hypothesis about when we gained all these distinctive human features, such as consciousness, qualia, free will, that sort of thing. Um, and also, at least, getting a little bit of perspective on how the image of human origins that has been produced by science uh, compares to the, the account that's in Genesis and in the rest of Christian, Jewish Christian scriptures. So that's one broad theme. Um, there will be a number of talks on the question of evolution from a broader perspective of what does it mean? You know, there, there'll be one fascinating, uh, there's a the fascinating talk title I'm looking forward to. It's on Sunday morning, I believe. Yes. Evolution and the eschatological meaning of human nature. So that's going to be an interesting take on it. But there is that, that question of what does evolution really mean in terms of if that's, if that is, if that's the world, which do you seem to think that? Um, there are certainly good reasons to think that. Um, what what does that mean in the context of a universe of the providence? And then finally, there will be a lot of talks discussing our ability, our increasing ability to modify ourselves, to modify ourselves by purely biological methods, and to modify ourselves by becoming, as it were, cyborgs to uh, to take these ubiquitous electronic devices that we're creating and make them part of our our own bodies and interact with them directly through our neurons and things like that. 
It, it's interesting, Paul, that a lot of the questions about uh, humanness are kind of, uh, in a sense, uh, being asked in the breach. In other words, uh, where uh, a lot of the questions are prompted by uh, an awareness or a concern that um, some aspect of our humanness or aspects that we had always taken for granted are now suddenly more up for grabs, but in yeah. uh, not just in a cultural sense, but in a in an authentically scientific sense. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is uh, one of those things that so often we fail to we fail to do any serious thinking about a question until it's well. I mean, it, I'm tempted to say it's almost too late, and there are certainly yeah. things that have managed to slip into into becoming widely accepted despite the fact that both science and any kind of responsible philosophy would clearly dictate that they should not be. Um, abortion is obviously, I mean, all sorts of things around our, our own reproductive cycle, so to speak. We have, uh, we've been merrily traipsing along and engineering that to our heart's content or right. engineering it off to our heart's content. And yeah, that's uh there, there are no guarantees that that's going to uh, leave us with a workable society. Um, yeah. And the, and the amount yeah. of resources that are consumed by, I, I think about, you know, and of course you're, you know, you can't help but sympathize with people who, you know, resort to in vitro fertilization. It's just so common and it is so taken for granted in wealthier Western societies that that is, that's an option. It's a legitimate option. Of course, I'm going to take that option. Um, and right. that has run ahead of our, you know, really thinking seriously about whether we have the right to do that, whether we should right. use the ability that we have to do that. Right. So I hope we talk about that, especially since uh, Maureen Kondik is going to be the actually not just a speaker, but the speaker giving, uh, being receiving the St. Albert Award and uh, speaking at 5 p.m. on Saturday of the conference. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm a little... I'm a little perplexed by your talk title, which is going to be Human Beings Are Defined by Organization. That's one of those titles. And there, to be fair, there are a number of titles on this, uh, <laughs> this program that could go a number of different directions. Um, yeah, that's probably what makes it so much fun, uh, the multidimensional aspect of a lot of these speakers' knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have to admit, having given a few scientific talks myself, um, there is certainly... Uh, the tendency to like, you know, let me make this a little bit vague, just so that uh, if I if I decide I want to put something else in, if I change my mind about, or or if I have no idea really at the moment the abstract is due, <laughs> what I actually right. want to talk about, uh, let me give myself some wiggle room. So, <laughs> right, <laughs> that can happen. That can happen, um, yeah. and especially, and I can only imagine for someone much later in their career than myself. Um, you know, I'm sure Marine Conduct has about five hours worth of stuff she could talk about if she chose to. So it's a it's a question of what 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 she decides she wants to uh, say to this particular audience. So yes, and I saw in the uh, in the uh, uh, description of uh, Professor Conduct uh, that you know she's been uh, a frequent presenter on many topics uh, in many in many contexts, and I guess like all. Like all of these speakers, uh, and like all of, uh, all, all of good science, uh, it's, uh, uh you know, th th there's a constant pu push to 
take that next step and to ask that next question. And it occurs to me that that's really kind of at the basis of our whole podcast from the beginning, isn't it? That uh, there's not a moment in time when science is standing still. So the questions just keep coming and, and have to keep coming. That's probably part of why the titles for these talks uh, are properly uh, a bit, uh, not vague, but uh, what's the right word? Uh, evolving? Uh, evolving. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might well, use the word wrong. vague, slightly ambiguous, but, you know, evolving. <laughs> flexible. Yeah. Flexible is a good word. Flexible sure. is a good word, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, that, that ties in with the other question our uh, uh, you know, our discussions have, have, um, uh, implied, uh, you know, whether, uh, in the, uh, in the grand uh, theme of compatibility between religion and science and faith and science, um, uh, uh how, how are we doing in the evolution department and the flexibility department in both of these, uh, fields? Um, and, uh, is there a necessary element of uh, flexibility uh, and synchronicity in the movement of both fields. In, in both the fields of science and religion uh, science together, and religion. Yeah. which is the great thing about this, uh, the Society of Catholic Scientists, that they're willing to tackle that amazing uh, kind of uh, parallel uh, process of both uh, trying to evolve our understanding of both at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and of course, you know, at first my response to that was, well, you know, people, you know, think of religion as being this rigid thing and science as being flexible. And then I thought about it another few seconds. Actually, right. people's views, you know, the, the scientific view that, you know, science has all the answers to all of the questions. Well, and implicitly it must have all the answers to all the questions already. And it's just a question of getting, you know, these other mouth-breathing, semi-literate fools to, uh, you know, accept the rule of the science that we already know. I mean, right. unfortunately, that's the that seems to be the attitude on a lot of fronts. And, of course, it's the attitude we take on politics in general, <laughs> for the most yeah, part, which is not uh, really helping us anywhere. Um, right. But it, it, it's terribly popular. It is, it is something that appeals to a certain aspect of human nature very, very strongly. Yeah, it is. So, sometimes yeah. it's really amazing that we ever we we have ever had stretches of uh, of human history where that hasn't dominated to the degree that it does now because it is so easy for us to fall into. Uh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. The other thing that occurs to me as we look ahead to this conference, and I really am looking ahead to it uh, with uh, enthusiasm myself, is that uh, on that re- on the religion side of the equation, the faith side of the equation. Um, there's no better place to be hosting this conference <laughs> yes. uh, than the McGrath Institute because uh, McGrath kind of prides itself on being the center where some of the world's really outstanding and cutting-edge theological scholarship is going on all the time, and mm-hmm. they're interested. They're interested in seeing how these parallel paths, uh, not parallel perhaps, but uh, both, they do intersect. You know, uh, they do. They do come together and intersect yeah. and interface, and that is that is the yeah. issue. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Where are they parallel? Where are they intersecting? Uh, and 
where where do they need to uh, meet uh, in a more constructive way rather than at a collision at an intersection somewhere? <laughs> right. Yeah. A a, a, a head-on or oblique impact, as the case may be. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, and that is the whole. You know, you can, you can, and people do have, you know, adhere to forms of religion, whether Christian fundamentalists or other flavors of fundamentalists who are really, you know, it can be, it's, it can become a, a social construct that's simply adhered to out of inertia and out of a sense of tribalism. Or, but that's the problem is, is that that's that's kind of become the implicit definition that most people use of religion. It's the subjective thing. It's a tribal marker. It's something I feel good about. It's part of my cultural identity. It doesn't have any. It doesn't make any truth claims. It can't possibly right. you know, be ridiculous. It's of. It's of course all made up stories, um, and therefore, and therefore, it should not be. I mean, you know. So apparently, they're introducing a bill in the California Senate that would, you know, actually demand that Catholic priests report cases of sexual abuse that they hear in the confessional. You know, that would actually oh demand actually demand that they break the seal of confession. Um, my goodness. And it's and it's one of those things. I'm like, I'm surprised that hasn't happened more. I'm surprised that hasn't yeah. already happened more because, you know, of course that's just this silly little superstitious thing that Catholics do, and there's there you know there's no good reason for it. It's just a tribal marker. It's just a custom. Um, Gosh. I'm surprised that hasn't been. Um, that hasn't spread more than it already has. I'm grateful that it hasn't already spread more than it has. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. But all uh, the more reason to be uh, discussing uh, all of these things now yeah. before the slippery slope really, uh, really becomes a, a you know, a, just a downfall, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Before people, before we really fall off any further off the edge than we already have. I mean, I already. Think we're on a, I think we're on a slope at a forty-five degree angle, hanging onto some tree roots as it is. Um, Indeed. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be to laugh. That's a good image. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna see what happens. Are, are there particular aspects of the conference? That uh, other particular aspects that. Uh, oh, I mean, I'm really, really looking forward to the Stephen Nithin talk, and I haven't gotten around to reading any of his books, which is unfortunate. But gosh, there's so many books to read. I don't know about you, Bill, but there's so many books to read. Uh, I've noticed that too. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so Stephen Nithin, and are you familiar with his work? No. Okay, he is a he's an anthropologist, so he studies the sort of dawn of civilization era. So. <clears throat> if I had to put, again, not being so familiar with his work, if I had to put some vague numbers on it between about five and 20,000 years ago. Yeah. So, so that period of time between, which, which geologically is kind of the blink of an eye. Um, that's, but that's the era in which, um, the last, at 20,000 years ago, the last glacial maximum was just starting to, uh, end. And by 10,000 years ago, you know, the continental United States was ice free and then, you know, it, it, it receded back across Canada over the next few thousand years and has, you know, yeah. fallen back to, fell back to the, you know, pre-industrial state by, I don't know, probably three or 4,000 BC. Um, so, so Stephen Niven studies that time and he studies, uh, you know, human cultural things, what we can find out about language and the development of, I assume writing, um, also music, I believe. And, and really is just trying to look at, you know, what can we, you know, I, th I think ultimately the work, 
and of course he probably being a properly cautious scientist does not you know make any claims about this but his work bears on the question of you know what is it what is it that makes us human right what is uh when did we when do we develop what is this consciousness stuff that we have do we share it with anything else do we share it with apes do we share it with mammals um do we do does anything else have anything remotely resembling our free will what was it what's that like and when did it when did it come to be because you know i think most of us you know certainly aristotle was like no man is the rational animal and so we would be the ones with you know so i think most thomists would follow that line of argument um qualia the whole question of qualia who has who has that when did it develop how can we tell um right and where where do things like all of these human artistic because of course those at least those are so precious because those leave us something that we can see right so right. what can what can we tell from at least the physical residue of artwork from ancient humans you know pre civilization or the dawn of civilization um and yeah so that's so he's going to engage with those topics in his talk you know, so becoming and being human evidence from the archaeological fossil and genetic records so that's the real right. question is uh, what what can we tell because it's not nothing it's it's difficult it's like most interesting scientific questions it's difficult a lot of the evidence is gone but there is some uh, maybe a little uh -huh. bit ambiguous but not completely so I'm really looking forward to that and then we will have several talks that uh, that deal with um, different aspects of what technology is doing so Nick Ostriaco really looking forward to him. Um, I heard him interviewed, I think, on the Pints of Aquinas podcast last summer. Uh, oh, really? So he is, uh -huh. He's a very bright guy. Um, obviously, he's a biologist at Providence, Providence College. And so he's going to talk about CRISPR and genetic engineering and all of the terrifying things that we can do with that. I mean, you've, you've heard the whole brouhaha about the, uh, the Chinese scientists uh, who uh, the, yeah, edited... The, uh, yeah, the Edited this gene for HIV resistance into a pair of twin girls. Gosh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, which is an odd place to start, but there was. Um, so it's it's now apparently been done. And what else is going to be done? What what could people potentially do with this? The two thirty lecture is on Saturday. Is Connor Cunningham, who I'm not familiar with. Uh, I I I mean, he's more of a philosopher, I believe, philosopher and even theologian, but he's going to give a talk, an invited talk, and he's titled it, speaking of uh, somewhat ambiguous or unclear titles, Homo ex machina, Homo ex machina, you caught that, didn't you? And Imago uh, Dei, yeah. the nightmare dreams, what does that mean? What, what is he going right. to go with that? I don't know. <laughs> but right. on the other hand, I am fascinated to find out. So Right, right. So and we'll have a talk. Um, I hope that uh, I hope that Darsha Narvez is able to attend because we have at least one talk that sounds very relevant to her work on the neurobiology of emotions and human connectedness. So that's going to be late in the afternoon on Saturday. Yeah. I can pretend uh -huh. that I can say uh, that I can speak French well enough to get her name out. I think that's close to her name. Um, uh -huh. Yeah. So and then the and then the uh, Sunday morning talks are three half hour talks all of which sound pretty interesting. So the first one, I believe, is a graduate student named Megan Levis, who's at Notre Dame. Um, yeah. Created in the image and likeness of man. Ah, rather like Connor Cunningham's title, where are you going to go with this? <laughs> where yeah. are you going to go with this? Um, 
The next, the next one is going to be, will tissue engineering change human nature? Which is one of those things that I'm not, you know, you, you know, the, the term tissue engineering seems straightforward enough. You should have some idea what that's, uh, where that's going. But, uh, but I don't know the full in- implications and I'm eager to find out about that. And then the final yeah. one is that talk, evolution and the eschatological meaning of human nature, which is fitting for, you know, an eschatological talk for the last talk of the conference. So that's, that's, that's nicely done. Nicely done. So, and that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's somebody coming all the way over from Cambridge, a Richard Austin Shout. Huh. So. There is a, uh, isn't there an increased international involvement? This I year? think so, because Stephen Niven is from Reading, uh, Connor Cunningham is from the University of Nottingham, and Richard Shout is coming from Cambridge. So if by international you mean England, the United Kingdom, uh, <laughs> yes. yes, it is a different nation. <laughs> we'll take it. And Marie George is coming from St. John's. There's a St. John's in the United States. I think there's also a St. John's in Canada, and I almost think she's coming from the one in Canada. But don't quote me on that. Okay. And I don't know where Michael Flynn is from. He might he might be Canadian or something too. Couldn't huh. tell you. Couldn't tell you for sure. So he's huh. gonna he's gonna be talking at the banquet. So that'll be interesting. Myself as someone who dabbles in fiction writing. Um, We'll, we will have a science fiction writer uh, speaking at the banquet, and that will be that will be intriguing too. So yeah, I like I like that fact that uh, a science fiction writer had been added to the equation. Yes, yes, especially since you know we're going to we're going to talk so much about we're going to hear so much about technology and you know things that in the 20th century in the second millennium uh, would be would simply have been science fiction, and they are rapidly becoming not that. So, right, and uh, and in many cases that will be unfortunate. But yeah, so that's yeah. so that's uh that's that's an overview. It's a short conference. It's short, short and sweet. It's over in a day and a half. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be pretty crowded with uh, with people uh, talking on fascinating subjects and just the whole really? you know I I look forward again to that uh, that environment of actually being around. Can I can I actually say out loud that I'm not just a scientist but that I'm Catholic? Oh, that's <laughs> right. nice. That is that is comforting. They yeah. they do there there do need to be events like that for uh, Catholic journalists too. I get the feeling, but uh, I don't. Well, know. that's right. That's, that's been done. Uh, well, uh, it's funny you should mention that because I happen to know that one of the other initiatives happening at the McGrath Institute is indeed uh, something that would um, uh, give more uh, heft to uh, Catholic media, Catholic journalism. Realizing that uh, you know something uh, something extra has to happen there too to confront uh, changing times, or at least some kind of enhancement of the dialogue that uh, the journalism at its best uh, can engender. You know, yeah, uh, we need yeah. we need it in science, we need it in journalism, we need it in politics. Uh, it's it's needed everywhere. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's nice that McGrath is uh, it's nice that McGrath is doing it. And it's nice uh, uh, and exciting that uh, the uh, Society uh, of Catholic Scientists is doing it. Yeah. Well, we need we need both of those initiatives to get uh, picked up and, and spread as far as possible because they're yeah. yeah yeah. There's just too much that humanity is missing out on by divorcing itself from the wisdom of Catholic tradition, right. the tradition that right. the entire the entirety of Western intellectual history has been routed through. It's simply, it, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. We've talked about that yeah. before and we'll talk about it again. So. Well, that's right. And with, with greater enhancement than ever, uh, after attending this 
this conference. We just wanted to let our listeners know uh, that, uh, you know, there's lots of reason to uh, uh, be following this. There will be opportunities to follow the discussions going on uh, via uh, streaming or archive video uh, as mm-hmm. well as uh, oh yeah, and there's some. I was looking at them today. There were some really good videos. Um, the, there are several videos, not the complete set of speakers from the 2018 conference. And actually, right. you would need to look for Aaron Scherger, who you know, he, you could go check our episode on the content of Aaron Scherger's uh, talk. And his talk was not one of the ones from the conference that made it into the archive, but they found him giving another talk with the same title, the, the, basically the same talk, I think, at another venue. So that's exciting. Um, but there are there are several, and then there are several talks under their sort of other category. If you go to the uh, CatholicScientist.org website, uh, it's right up there. The video archive is right there on the front page, and you can see yes. the 2017-2018 conference, and then also some videos, mostly of SCS. Well, I think they're all of, of people in the Society of Catholic Scientists talking on on different subjects. Stephen Barr, Jonathan Lunin, who we're going to be talking to next week. We're going to have one more very, preview, very right. preview episode of the, for the uh, conference, and we'll be talking to Jonathan Lunin, who's also on the board. I believe he's the vice president of the Society of Catholic Scientists, and uh, we'll get his take on what's going on. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely been one of the leaders in the, uh, in the Society's uh, uh, growth over the past few years and, and the Society's outreach to the media. I've heard uh, him on... Um, uh, NPR and mm-hmm. elsewhere. So, uh, yes, may that connection to media, uh, continue, uh, and the openness of media to the very interesting and problem solving, uh, synergies between, uh, religion and science. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll probably cut, we'll cut that one here for today. We'll look forward to that. And, uh, we thank you for listening as we always do. And we'll look forward to next time. Exactly. Looking forward to the conference and looking forward to our next conversation, Paul. Yep. Thanks, Bill. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, or it made you think, come on over to That's So Second Millennium's Facebook page and leave a comment or ask a question. We'd love to hear from you.